Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to episode 20 of the postcast. I'm Sean Fairholm, and I'm here with my co-host, Cassie Stein. Obviously, Cassie, the big news of yesterday, today, and probably for uh, many months to come as this continues, uh, Tiger Woods charged with suspicion of DUI in Jupiter, Florida. Your, your gut reaction when, when all this happened? I'm just sad. Yeah. You know, it, it's, been, it's been a hard fall for Tiger, I feel. It, it hasn't been easy either. You know, it's been over the last few years, but I just feel like it's very hard and um, and sudden and just just sad. Just made me really sad. I think that was the just, overall uh, reaction of, of, of everyone, really, when, when they saw this as mugshot being kind of uh, thrown around on social media pretty pretty quickly. We, we've brought on a couple of PGA Tour insiders this morning, uh, Ron, our own Ron Green Jr. and, uh, and PGA Tour winner Brad Faxon is also going to be joining us to, uh, to talk a little bit about it. Right now, we're very excited to welcome on Brad Faxon, eight-time winner on the PGA Tour, a PGA Tour Champions player and a Fox Sports golf analyst. Brad, thanks for making time. My p- pleasure, Sean. Thank you for having me. I guess uh, let's jump right into it. The, the news that has kind of shocked us for the past couple of days uh, and probably weeks and probably months coming up, uh, Tiger Woods charged with su- suspicion of DUI early Monday morning in Jupiter. What was just your initial gut reaction when you heard about it? Well, it can't be too different than the rest of the world. I mean, it's shocked that um, this would happen, you know, shock at the timing of when this would happen. Um, you know, it, it, I, I think we were all expecting Tiger to, you know, he's, he's been making the great comments about how, how much better he feels with his back and that he was going to be ready to play soon. And, you know, I, my, my feeling is the, the world's ready to see Tiger Woods make a comeback. And uh, they've all, everybody feels sympathetic to him. And I, I just think it's, it's so sad, really. How do you feel it's been covered by the media? We're, we're so... Uh you know, quick to, to jump on someone without having all the facts. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're right. I mean, that's the way the world is now, isn't it? Um, we all want, we want to assume or speculate everything. And, you know, we don't know the facts. Um, it's, you know, easy to think about what, what would, you know, if you were out in that situation, why would you be out at three o'clock in the morning, uh, going in the wrong direction? Uh, you, you can, invent a bunch of things but only he knows and he can tell but i know if we're gonna report the truth we can't start speculating regardless he's had to do damage control in the past and he's gonna have to do it again it appears um can can he save his image and his relationship with with sponsors and fans at this point I would think so. Um, we've seen a lot of athletes in the past do that and, and recover and recover well. Um, and I, I think the story of the comeback stories are, are, you know, what everybody's hoping for and waiting for. And, and he's still got a huge Q rating, huge market value. Um, you know, he's made a mistake. He's apologized for it. You know, nobody wishes this didn't happen worse than him. I want to read a quote by by Wright Thompson, who had a great piece in ESPN last year. Uh, of Tiger, Thompson wrote, His truest self is shy, awkward, and basically well-intentioned, as unsuited for life in public as he is suited for hitting a golf ball. Has has Tiger been misunderstood because of the attention and the intensity of the attention that we've given him for so many years? 
Well, that's a great quote uh, by Thompson. You know, I think he was set up to be a great player by his father and the way he was brought up to be a great golfer. And he, you know, mission accomplished. He did it. Mm -hmm. He did it better than maybe anybody that's ever done it before or that could possibly ever do it again for that, you know, that time frame, that 11, 12 year stretch between 97 or 96 even uh, through 2008. Nobody's seen golf like that. And I will go to my grave saying that it's much harder to do this modern day now than it was even 20 or 30 years ago uh, with the intensity and the scrutiny of having all your, all people's eyes on you all the time. Um, you know, and then there's also in like in any business or in any sport for sure, there's that kind of that almighty or that God factor when you, get to the point where you're dominating so much you think that maybe you're impervious or you know above everyone else and i'm not saying that's what happened to tiger woods but you know you, you think you'll never get caught or you'll always be forgiven in a situation like that and you know we we've seen other athletes like lance armstrong or mike tyson go down hard and, and some have made comebacks uh, you know, and I think what Tiger has found is that, you know, when, when he was an assistant captain uh, for the Ryder Cup last year, that he actually had friends and he could help out in a way that he hadn't been able to help out before. So, um, you know, part of this could be good for Tiger. Part of it might make him a better and stronger person, but I know he's going through a, a really, really difficult patch right now. The modern-day players, the uh, Ricky Fowlers and Jordan Spieths, they don't seem to have that same kind of factor about them where they're more to themselves. They seem very social. Will that help them down the road to kind of maybe perhaps prevent something like this happening? You know, it's, 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 there's no blueprint for what's, hmm. what's you know, going to breed success on the tour. Everybody's, you know, got their own way they should be doing things and, you know, if, if you told, you know, a young kid that had some talent now that he had to be like Tiger Woods was as a child in order to be the next great player, I think you'd ruin a lot of people. Mm. Um, and and I, I like seeing the comfort and the ease with which players like Fowler and Jordan Spieth and Jason Day and how they, they treat others. Um, that's fantastic. I think it's a myth. It's a big myth, in my opinion, that you have to um, – to have killer instinct, you have to be mean. I, I don't. I don't think you do at all. I mean, you could put a bunch of people in there, like Nick Price or Bernhard Langer, that are the exact opposite. Do we ever see Tiger play a, a full season of golf on the PGA Tour again, where, he, where he's where he's actually healthy? Well, four back surgeries. I, mm. I don't know that he's ever going to feel close to what he felt like in his prime. I certainly hope so. You know, mm -hmm. but each. Each month that goes by, you know, he's getting farther and farther away from being able to be competitive at, at the scale at which he was. You know, mm -hmm. I think he can go out and play in tournaments again and make cuts and maybe get into contention. But, I mean, for him, for us to, to want to see the Tiger we were used to watching, that's a long way away right now. You mentioned Bernhard, and uh, there's no easy way to make a trans transition to uh, from what happened to uh, to 
Bernhard, but we're going to do it. Um, <laughs> he passed Jack Nicholas on on a Sunday in, in Washington with the the most major championships on the senior circuit. Uh, first player to win all five senior major titles. What is it like to uh, to play against Bernhard? Well, you know, I've played against some of the best players in the world throughout my career at times when they were dominating. And there was always an intimidation factor with some part of their game. You know, mm-hmm. whether it was how far they hit it, how high they could hit a long iron, how well they scrambled or how well they putted or managed their game or just the way they looked at you, like, say, Greg Norman. Um, but Langer, you know, he's like, nice guy. He's a quiet <laughs> guy. Uh, he doesn't have the prettiest looking swing. He doesn't hit the the best looking shots. They're just always in play. He doesn't make any mistakes. And all of a sudden, you go, did he really shoot six under par? <laughs> and, and, you know, it seems like, like all great champions, when he, when he has to shoot a low score, he does. Mm. And what makes it remarkable is he's been doing it. Um, you know, he's 60 years old in August. And, you know, he's taken down big players in big games. You know, VJ Singh may not be quite at the top of his game, but he hits it farther than Langer does, probably hits his irons a lot higher and can stop the ball quicker. And, you know, they were pretty far ahead of the free field. And, <laughs> Uh, Langer, like he's been doing all year, makes these putts. Like, you know, I can't believe this guy ever had putting issues. (laughs) Incredible. On Sunday, uh, there were several times where he had longer putts and VJ was inside of him and he rolled one in right right ahead of VJ and that really turned the momentum of the final round in his favor. Unbelievably so. And, you know, um, to, to someone that might be struggling with their short game and with their shorter putts, when you see guys pounding putts in like Bernard does it, but he even put more pressure on DJ. I'm <laughs> sure that that was intimidating. <laughs> Following the anchoring ban, it looked like players with, with broomstick putters may struggle more while players with, with belly putters may have an easier transition, but it's kind of been the opposite for a lot of players like Bernhard, who has seemed to actually improve on the green since the, the ban. What, what have you noticed in that regard? Well, I thought it was going to be a much bigger factor, the the, ban, the, the anchoring rule uh, for, mm-hmm. for some players. And, you know, it, it just seems like Langer and in particular, say, Scott McCarron on the senior tour, who's played very well, you know, they, they've just moved their, their thumb away from their body or the butt end of that putter away ever so slightly. And it's really had no effect on how well they've putted. Mm. Before, before we let you go, just your, your opinion on Aaron Hills, uh, the site of the U.S. Open in a couple of weeks. Uh, it's kind of a wild card at this point. We don't know a ton about it, uh, other than it will play as the first par 72 course and uh, the first time that has happened since 1992 in Pebble Beach. Uh, what are your initial thoughts just heading into the U.S. Open? Well, Sean, I got to go up there and play as part of the, the Fox broadcasting team. Uh, went up there about two weeks ago and, and played on a, a, a very windy and fairly cool day. Mm. And it was all you can imagine. Wow. Long, uh, a lot of hills. Uh, what struck me was this, the size of the golf course. It's big in scale. And, you know, typically if, if you're going to walk and play, a, a you know, one of your older style courses, that might be a five and a half, six mile walk. This is a nine mile walk. Whoa, it's, wow. Yeah, it's going to take a long time to play. Um, players are going to 
Um, I think they're going to be, you know, the longer hitters are going to be very happy here because the fairways are wide, but there's a lot of elevation and a lot of slope. So balls, if they get the firmness that the USG always likes to have at the US Open, you're going to see some very, very long drives. But if you're not um, able to curve the ball the right way, if you can't move the ball into the slopes, you're going to miss a lot of fairways and the rough is already. So <laughs> it is that's the US Open size. Um, and, and if you're hitting shots to these greens out of the rough, you know, there's a lot of elevated greens, there's a lot of runoff areas. And they they say Aaron Hills gets a lot of wind. Um, so, you know, I, as long as I'm not between the ropes then, I don't mind watching some difficult conditions. But uh, I, I would say if, if there's no wind there, the scores will be pretty low. If it gets windy, watch out. Does it favor anyone, any style of play? You know, I, I, I would have said immediately it's going to favor the longer hitters just because the, the width of the fairways. It, you mm-hmm. know, there's no trees out there. It's funny, Fox, is, this is our third U.S. Open between Chambers Bay, Oakmont, and, and now Aaron Hills. I think there's one tree. <laughs> <laughs> That's three courses. So, um, you know, I, I think a lot of people will be happy with that because it'll give them the, the feeling they can swing away. But um, I think that for a lot of people, there's it's harder to find, you know, definition. Mm. You know, so I think players that are a little skittish with their driver are going to go, oh boy, this isn't, this isn't fun. Brad, really appreciate your time. Great insight. Have a good time covering the U.S. Open. All right, Sean. Hopefully I'll see you there. And thanks again. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks again and now we welcome on PGA Tour insider Ron Green Jr. Ron, I guess let's start with the news that has carried us the past couple of days here and will surely continue for a long time to come. Tiger Woods charged with a suspicion of a DUI. We now have the police report. Your gut reaction when that news came out? I just, my heart sank. I think, uh, and then talking to people around after the news broke, I think that even people who aren't particularly Tiger Woods fans sort of felt sorry felt bad about it i mean basically it's a serious charge and uh but it's just another step you know another curve in the road of of his life sort of feels like it's gotten away from him in places from time to time and just you know you want to think he's about to get back with this he's talking about how well the surgery uh rehab and everything's coming and then you hear this and you see the picture which i mean Nobody looks good in a mugshot, I don't think, but this one just, there's just a grim reality to this one. And I mean, it's just, just, I don't, you almost don't know what to say. It just feels disappointing, sad, uh, disturbing. If there's a silver lining, uh, it's that he, he blew triple zeros in the breathalyzer and it would appear he didn't have any alcohol in, in his system, but still to be in this situation, it, it's sad on a, on a lot of levels. What is the most concerning part of, 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 the, of the DUI? Well, I, you know, I think you wonder what led to it. I mean, he said mm-hmm. in his statement, uh, he mixed some medications and they had a stronger reaction than he anticipated. Uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, you, you wonder, I mean, why was he out at three o'clock in the morning? I mean, we all have our own lives and do our own thing, but three o'clock in the morning, it's the old adage, not much happens good after midnight. And, uh, you know, and I mean, he's sort of parked in the road there with his blinker on, according to the report, and uh, asleep. I mean, uh, 
obviously he's coming off yet another back surgery. Uh, I don't know about pain medications and all that, but you, you immediately sort of go to that as, as what the problem was and how much he had taken, what he had taken. I don't know. I mean, he's probably had, uh, you would assume with this being his fourth back surgery, I would imagine he had a lot of experience with painkillers, which can, you know, be a dangerous thing. And you just hope there's no bigger issue there. But I think, you know, this is sort of a bring moment here. And to, I mean, he's never been, been one to want to really share his personal life with uh, the public. And, you know, you pick up, you look on Twitter and you see the back page of the New York or the front page of the New York Post with, uh, with his mugshot and the headline says DUI of the tiger. And it's just, it's embarrassing. It's, you know, and I know people close to him, I'm sure are really, if there's an issue, they want to get it resolved, help him get it resolved. Uh, he's a very strong willed person, uh, but he's been through a lot. And, you know, I mean, his career has essentially been taken away from him by his health. Um, so I don't know. I, I just, you want to think the best that this was just a mistake, but uh, it's hard not to get past the suspicion it could be more. Ron, there's been many other athletes that have gotten into trouble, other sports and whatnot, but has there ever been an athlete more complicated or more difficult, I guess, to explain than Tiger? I, he, he's, he's unique. He's unlike anybody we've seen, anybody I've really been around. I mean, to be, on one part, he's Elvis. On another part, he was sort of Howard Hughes-ish. Uh, he's just, I mean, people love him. People didn't like him at all. I mean, he, he sort of took us places we didn't think golf could go. And and then, I mean, he has taken us places we haven't seen, haven't seen fall like his very often. And, you know, it's, you just, it doesn't feel like there's been a whole lot of quiet time, sort of clear air, smooth, smooth sailing type things. It's just feels like it's always something. And now this. You wrote in your piece yesterday that he, he made the game look so easy, but life has been kind of a bumpy ride for him. He's been in the spotlight for basically all of his 41 years. I mean, he's he was on a, a TV show when he was three years old. Has the media worn him down over time or, or has it been something else or maybe just a combination of, of all these factors? I would think it's a combination of a lot of things. I think yeah. it's a combination of his own expectations. I think it's yeah, his own, I guess you'd call it work ethic. I mean, workouts, pushing himself to be uh, as good as he could be. And, you know, people can speculate and always will about, did he go too far in the workouts? Did he try to get too strong? Did it was back problems? I, I don't know. That's, he knows, we don't know. But uh, there, there's always been a compression around him in a way uh, from the attention uh from you know the chase for Jack Nicholas's record and all that. And I think he he did a good job of insulating himself. There was almost a bubble around him, an invisible bubble that you could you couldn't quite get closer to than that. I mean he would, you know, in private moments away from crowds, you know, he would sort of let his guard down some. But um I don't think any of us could imagine what his life was like. Um uh, some of it he made it his life that way. He closed himself off. Uh, insulated himself, but uh, you know, I mean, he basically couldn't go. He's one of the most famous people in the world. He may still be, uh, and you know, in that way, he was a victim of his own success, his own. Soul. And I don't know. I, I just 
you wonder. He thought he's always talked about he sleeps three or four hours a night. He doesn't need much sleep. He's up doing this, doing that. Um, you know, I mean, when he's looked healthy and happy and all stuff, I mean, there's a light about him, and and that's sort of what drew everybody to him. But you know, there's been plenty of darkness now too. Whenever something like this happens to someone of Tiger's fame, we're all really quick to judge and. Um, even though all of us have challenges and, you know, Twitter is a main source of that, but should he be held to a higher standard than the rest of us? Oh, I think you're dealing with somebody on beyond or beyond the golf part. I mean, th- I think you're dealing with him. This is a, on a personal sort of human level. I think he holds himself, as he said in his statement, holds himself to a higher standard than this. I think, I mean, people make mistakes. I mean, just because he's famous and, wealthy and all that i mean things happen and, and things happen to people i i think he is such a face of golf and everything I, it's it would be very interesting to me to see how his spot react uh i think you know he had to build back a lot of sort of i don't know social equity in some ways after what happened years ago and felt like he had done and gotten back even though we really hadn't seen him much on the golf course uh the past few years uh I think, I mean, that mugshot going worldwide, I mean, that's a an image that is going to stay with people for a long time. And I just, uh, you know, I can only imagine what it feel like for him to, to know that that's out there like that. Ron, before we let you go, it's not an easy transition to go from Tiger to the world of golf at hand right now. But I just want to get your thoughts on uh, on memorial uh, we're going to jack's place this week a really strong field as always give us a storyline or two to to keep an eye on this week in dublin well i just think this we're basically two weeks out from the u.s open and this is a big time place i mean it's in the hierarchy of tournaments not a major championship or a world golf championship but it's right there in the next sort of uh, strata there. It's, I loved going up there. Fantastic golf where can play anything they wanted to there. Uh, Jack Nicholas's presence, I mean, he he's all around the place and people go there partly because of him, but largely because of the golf course. It's a good place, good time, great field. And yeah, I think just watching uh, you, the best players, we don't have Rory. He was originally going to play and now it's not. And uh, But I think you know, you, you look at what a Dustin Johnson might do, what John Rahm, I mean, Hideki Matsuyama's one up there. There's a lot. Jordan Spieth's coming off a really, really good week. All the sort of alarm bells that were going off about his putting and all that stuff. And oh, he'd missed three cuts in four weeks. And also, what's wrong with Jordan Spieth? Well, you know, I mean, that just happens. I mean, Jordan Spieth's fine. I, I think this is, while it's mostly about this week and what happens at Muirfield Village, uh, I mean, there's that big sort of long look what's going to happen at Aaron Hills, which is uh, not far away and, you know, quite the wild card because I don't think anybody knows what's going to happen at Aaron Hills because hardly anybody's seen enough of it to know. It'll be interesting to see what happens. It's uh, kind of a remote destination, a new course, so uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens this year's U.S. Open. Ron, thank you uh, so much for your time. All right, guys, I enjoyed it. Thank you. 
Thank you both to Ron Green Jr. and Brax, Brad Fackin for joining us today. Um, very, very nice, you know, insider touch and giving us good information about the Tiger Woods uh, debacle that is unfolding before our eyes. So let's jump into the schedule this week. Um, four events on the calendar. On the PGA Tour, we're at the Memorial Tournament at Jack's Place, Muirfield Village in Dublin, Ohio. William McGirt is the defending champion, but a lot of big-time names in the field this week, including Dustin Johnson, Phil Mickelson, Jordan Spieth, Jason Day. But unfortunately, no Rory McIlroy once again as he is still resting from his injury. On the LPGA Tour, um, we have the ShopRite LPGA Classic in Galloway, New Jersey at Stockton Seaview Hotel and Golf Club. It's only a 54-hole event this week, so it starts on Friday, and Anna Nordquist is the defending champion there. On the web.com tour, um, they, they're playing at the Rex Hospital Open this week at TPC Wakefield Plantation in Raleigh, North Carolina. And the European tour heads to Sweden for the Nordia Masters as Alex Norn returns to his home soil following the victory last week at Wentworth. Henrik Stenson also in the field as he is also another fellow Swede and after back-to-back major championships on the PGA Tour champions both both won by Bernhard Langer they are taking a week off so um just four events on the schedule this week and uh we can jump right into bingo bango bongo if we if you must Sean absolutely uh this week at Memorial, we have a really, really strong field as always. Uh, no Rory, as you mentioned, but we have uh, plenty of players to uh, to pick from and uh, and for uh, for who to win. Uh, who do you like, Cassie? Um, I'm going to go with Adam Scott. Hmm, very um, nice. Well, well, well rested um, since the Masters. He finished T6. Um, he finished T13 here in 2013 and then T4 in 2014. And he hasn't played here since. But um, I like his chances. He's he's playing well and hopefully he gives us a, a, a good you know tournament. Like I said, I still need to pick a winner, so I'm rooting for Adam Scott. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. He's he's played fairly well on his trips to uh, Muirfield Village, but like you said, he's he hasn't been there the past couple of years. But uh, a great course for him. It's definitely a a ball strikers course with those uh, with those different contour greens trying to get to the right level. Um, I'm going to go with John Rom because I'm sick of watching him on every single leaderboard and not having picked him. Uh, since he started at the uh, his professional career uh, last year, congressional, he has eight top fives in the PGA Tour. Nobody else over that span has more top fives than than John Rahm. So um, for for that reason, uh, great ball strikers course. I'm going to go with John Rahm. And less than a year as a professional, he's already jumped into the top ten of the world official golf rankings. Like that's insane. Yeah, incredible. Uh, number nine, I believe, and I think I saw. Um, he's the fifth youngest to get in the top five, uh, top ten of the uh, of the official world golf ranking. Pretty pretty incredible stuff. I mean, uh, he's he's the real deal. He is the real deal. Uh, who do you like as your sleeper this week? Um, you know what? I'm going to go with Webb Simpson. Uh, he he played so well last week at Colonial. Uh, just came up a little bit short of winning. Had that lead going into the final day. But uh, you know what? He was T11 at Memorial last year, and he seems to be playing really well. Remember, he almost won at the Phoenix Open earlier this year, losing to Hideki Matsuyama in a playoff. Seems like he's having a little bit more of a uh, of a better year here, and uh, I like him to uh, play well this week. What about you? So I don't particularly have one player, hmm. but I'm also going to stay with the um, Australian theme as I picked Adam Scott to win this week. But I'm going to just go with the... Um, 
all the young Australians in the field this week, if, if I'm allowed to do that. Absolutely, Sean. sure. <laughs> um, some really, really good players up and coming this week, just like um, the 2016 U.S. Amateur Champion, Curtis Locke, Ryan Ruffles, and Brett Coletta. All three at one point represented the Australian National Amateur Golf Team. Um, Luck and Ruffles has ha- have had success on tour. Um, Luck played last week and made the cut at the Deed in DeLuca. But Coletta is making his debut on the PGA Tour, and he'll play this summer in Canada on the McKenzie Tour. I just think these guys are going to have a- some success this week. They're all very good ball strikers. Like you said, it's a ball strikers course and in the future on the tour. So I'm just going to generalize the- this week and just put all the young Australians in the field. I, I have no problem with that at all. I mean, they're, they're so uh, talented and they're, they just pump them out. I mean, the amount of uh, great players that come out of Australia is really impressive. They do. It's wild. But um, I'm excited to see what they can do this week. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, also, I'll, I'll throw this out. Look out for William McGirt. Uh, obviously, uh, the past winner mm-hmm. at, at Memorial uh, won last year. Really just loves this place. He went to the media day a little while ago, um, right before the Masters, to uh, to to go and see Muirfield Village. Uh, loves everything about that course. Um, golfers, we all know, they're so mental, and uh, when they kind of get into that stage of really liking a venue, uh, they tend to uh, play better, don't they? Yeah, absolutely. How about the player that's going to miss the cut this week? Yeah, I was kind of going back and forth on this. Um, I'm going to go with Sean O'Hare. Uh, he played really well last year, but uh, he's 0 for 4 at Memorial in terms of uh, making the cut. And uh, I I just think that, you know, sometimes there are horses for courses and uh, Memorial t- uh, tends to, to be kind of one of those tournaments where uh, certain guys tend to, to play well. So uh, I know he comes in really hot. A lot of people will probably be riding Sean O'Hare and liking him this week, but I'm going to uh, pick him to miss the cut. Gotcha. I'm going to, um, like you said, I, I was hemming and hawing about who I was going to pick as well, mm-hmm. but I'm going to go with Brooks Kepka. Mm. Um, he didn't play here last year. He finished T52 in 2015. Um, he didn't play last week. He finished T50 at the AT&T by Aaron Nelson. It, he may be just being a little bit of a drought. No big deal because he was playing well a few weeks ago. Like he finished second at the Valero. He finished T5 at the Zurich with his brother, Chase Kepka. So, um, maybe it's just a little drought. He'll, pro- but it, I mean, he'll most likely prove me wrong this week, so it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you know, you're, you have to take a chance. Yeah, you got to take, yeah, take a risk at some point. I mean, like just like I had Sergio again last week, and he had another. Yeah, I think he finished T12 last week, so it's just, it's just. It's the year of Sergio. Me. I'm telling you, it's it the is. Year of you know, Sergio. I, I'm, I'm in agreement with you on that now. So, um, but yes, I'm going to pick Brooks this week. Um. Yeah, so I think that's all the time we have left though this week. Is that correct, Sean? Yeah, I believe, I believe it is. Uh, great episode. Uh, today. I really, yeah, I really it was, enjoyed it. Was, uh, filled with tiger news, obviously. So um, please follow us on our social media channels Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Just search for Global Golf Post and you'll find us there. Um, until next time, for Sean and I, hit him straight. See you later.